Welcome to The One Hour Intern. I'm your host, Will Brigger. On this week's episode of One Hour Intern, I learned from current athletic director at Stanford University, Bernard Muir. I guess we'll just dive right in. My first question for you is about the COVID world. What have you been doing during quarantine to stay productive and make sure that Stanford Athletics maintains on track and that you personally are taking the most out of this unprecedented turmoil? Yeah, great question. I, I would just say we're spending a lot of time on calls, podcasts, like you're, you're talking about here. I've had the opportunity to be on a few media calls, but I would say it's really just trying to look to the future and figure out whenever we are back to normal, resume competition, that we're well prepared and we've prepared our student athletes to, for success. And it's, it's taken time. There's so much uncertainty, much more questions to answer down the road, but but each and every day, we're just trying to move ourselves in a better position so we can answer those questions and then we can hopefully proceed at some point to compete, but we know it might take some time. And to make that communication most productive, just because, you know, sometimes Zoom conversations are difficult. What have you been doing? To be most productive, uh, just when I have time for myself uh, and I'm not on the call, you know, I, I try to get a little exercise in, I'm trying to walk, I try to put on Kind of listen to podcasts, TED Talk daily, something in the sports genre. Uh, and so I, I'm always trying to figure out what's next. And this summer, I've had a chance to pick up a few books. And I have a whole stack here that I'm, I got to get to at some point. But it's been really hard just because we're just trying to think about the day-to-day and, and what's to come next from an athletic standpoint. Anything in particular that you would recommend people to read that's relevant right now or just that you think is Good. Uh, you know, stuff, the things I'm reading right now, I, I've got, a, a, you know, some fiction. I, the President is Missing, which was written by Bill Clinton and James Patterson. I have it on my desk. Started a few pages. I, I've got to finish. I've got a, another book called The League, which talks about the history of the NFL, which I'm curious to see what that's all about. But like I said, the podcasts have been really entertaining for me. I, I've tried to, as I get the chance to get out on most days to walk. It's just great to just kind of listen to some of the experts in the world, especially this TED Talk Daily, because it's so unique and so interesting and such so diverse. So I, I've enjoyed that. And occasional Netflix for me, I finished the Ozarks, which I was thrilled to, to, to go through. And we'll see what's next. I, I get a lot of ideas and uh, suggestions from my, my daughters. So uh, that's been helpful too. First, I want to ask you, is there any new news that you know about kind of any NCAA sports that's going to be coming out soon that people don't know or any kind of big kind of knowledge that people should have paying attention no, to the season? I think the main thing for us, uh, you know, is we're part of the Pac-12 and we decided to suspend sports around the country. Everyone's in a different status. And so it's going to be interesting to see how college sports unfolds this fall. Uh, I think that's the unique thing and in, in going on in our area right now. And, and so it'll be, I know how many, how much people love live sports. And so it'll be interesting to see if we do have live sports this fall. And if not, how soon can we resume? Uh, and so that's probably the biggest thing in our domain right now. So now let's go back to Gainesville, Florida, when you were 17, the year was 1985. Gas was $1.12 a gallon. <laughs> Just don't date me so much. My goodness. <laughs> Top song was Careless Whisper. By Wham. The big movies were Back to the Future and Rocky Four. What was life like for you at this time? 
for me, I, I was uh, just getting ready for my senior year and, and excited about what's to come getting to college. Had a great group of friends that I, I had a chance to work with. We worked in the Boys and Girls Club, which I'd grown up in for many years. So just enjoying summer and, and joining with my, my classmates and getting ready for uh, hopefully it was a great, great senior year and it turned out well. I want to talk specifically about your home life. Are there any values that your parents put on you that you kind of carry and think are super important to you today? Yeah, no question. I, you know, I was an only child and my, my parents, both are Jamaican immigrants. And so they were really big on education and, and just being a good human being. And, and so discipline was important for them and learning of proper manners and, and being polite. That is something that I carry with me all the time. Uh, you know, you open doors for people, you say hello as you're passing by folks. And at the time being in the South, it was yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Those are things that uh, will stick with you. And, and uh, you try to impart on your, your family, your daughter, my daughters in this, in this case, but uh, definitely just understanding and sticking to uh, things were, were really important for them. And how did they make sure that you followed through on all those kind of disciplinary ideas and made sure that you focused on your education, but you also pursued sports? There was a lot of repetition in their voice and they spent a lot of time just drilling these things into me. You know, I remember my mom always saying, you know, show me your friends and I'll tell you who you are. And so she was really just reminding me, just surrounding yourself with, are they making you better? And uh, you better keep in mind. And then anything you do, know that, it, you know, somebody's watching and they pressed upon that on me that uh, you, you've got to be careful. Everything that you're doing, everything that you say and, and your actions, you know, speak louder than words. And so that's something that, that has been instilled in me from the get go. And, and they reinforced it, believe me, uh, often uh, repeated and sometimes had to be a little more stern in just getting the message across. What prompted that uh, stern necessity to get the message across? Sometimes, you know, as a 17-year-old or younger, you know, it took a while to listen because I had my own thoughts, just like any uh, young person does. And sometimes it just it had to be a little more focused in the, the approach. And I like to think finally it got through. But, you know, growing through as you're, you know, maturing in age, sometimes it takes a little time to, to get that full message. Were there any particular moments where you really didn't get the message and after that experience, you kind of realized? this is what I should be doing or the mistake that you made in that moment kind of helped you realize why those values were so important? I think being on time, being punctual, I'll never forget. This was when I was uh, much younger than that, that, but my mom was pretty strict about like, you know, you're going to be home at a certain time. I tell you, if we, we set a time, I expect you to be there. And, and I'll never forget, uh, I was a few minutes late and she just sent a very stern message. I, she might've taken away something from me that I wanted. And then again, I realized, you know, you got to say whatever you say you're going to do, you got to do it. And I'm trying to stick to that. And I could have been like 10, 11, 12 at the time, but it has stuck with me and uh, I got the message. And so being punctual and if you're ever part of a team and your coach says, Hey, this is when we're going to get started. You know, it doesn't hurt to be a few minutes early just, just in case. And, and so that's something that I've tried to learn. I've certainly made mistakes along the way, so I don't want to say I'm 100% certain in that area, but I do know what, what that means and, 
and how important that is for people. Do you have any regrets with regards to kind of at that time with regards to your family life? No regrets. As I said, only child. And, and so uh, the attention was quite focused on me for my parents. They had me a little bit later in their lives. They've since passed, but uh, I'm glad that the time that I had with them and they certainly had took great interest in, in me as a young person growing up. And uh, certainly once I got to college and beyond, my career was unfolding. And so, you know, I'm just thankful that uh, they were as disciplined and as strict as they were, because I think it, it definitely did pay off. Are there any other stories in that time period when you were with them at home every day that you felt like really shaped you? Any like kind of like one moment that you were like, this moment made me have know the need to be punctual? Something other than that. Okay. Yeah. So I, the one story that quickly comes to mind is, you know, I, I was a huge Florida Gator fan growing up. That's kind of what piqued my interest in college sport, which eventually became my profession. And I, I don't remember how old I was, but I do remember a football game Florida played in. And the Florida fans, this is painful, but they, they lost to Georgia on a last second play. Uh, and I can remember Buck Ballou from Georgia throwing it to Lindsey Scott. And truly, Florida was ready to pull the upset, and they lost. And I remember being so upset, and I remember throwing things across my room. My mom came in and said, that will never happen. She was a little bit sterner. She might have put her hands on me, to, to be quite honest. And I realized, like, you have got to be that, – that, the lesson learned there was you've got to be calm in the moment. And so you're going to have your highs and lows. You have to show some composure. And so that was a lesson that I learned that day and I've tried to stick with it. And not, not to say that I don't lose control at some point or at times, but that was one where I realized, boy, you can't let especially sport control you and take over your, your actions. And so uh, that was definitely a lesson learned that day. And I know it was, it was painful for fans of, of the Gators, but at the same token, you know, there's other games to come, other seasons to come. And you got to keep moving on. It's definitely very true that you need to be calm in the kind of worst moments, but it's really hard to do. How do you do your best to be calm in the moment? And how would you recommend others kind of take steps so that they can have composure? Yeah, that, that's where yoga comes in for me. Uh, it just kind of relaxes you. But I, I think the, the, the thing about taking deep breaths and, and trying to you know, step back and, and, and see every, everything unfolding in front of you and taking some time for not making a quick reaction is really key. Now that's easier said than done in a lot of cases, but it, there is some truth to just pausing, listening. Uh, if you're in a conversation, verbal conversation and just, just taking in the moment. And then also to that same tone, there's times when you have joy, you should really appreciate that too and enjoy that sentiment because that's really important as well. Let's talk more specifically about your school mainly your high school, but you know, if anything comes up from school before that, feel free to tell stories about that. What was school like for you when you were in high school? School was great. Uh, I had grown up in Gainesville, had a good group of friends. You know, for me, things changed quite a bit when I was a 5'7 freshman starting high school. And I loved football as a kid. But when I got to high school, there were so many kids who were so much bigger than I was. And I thought, you know what, maybe I need to gravitate toward basketball. And so I was a 5'7 point guard, 
trying out for my freshman team, made the team. I thought that was so great, such a great opportunity. And then my sophomore year, sophomore summer, over the course of the summer, I grew six inches and came back and my friends were just shocked. They're like, who is this kid? And all of a sudden, you know, basketball really became a passion and tried to work at it. And so a lot of my association when I think about high school was around being in our gym and and trying to get better and, and hopefully have an opportunity to play in college. But when I think about those high school days, uh, had a great group of teachers, had a great group of friends, uh, and I was just, you know, trying to grow up and find myself. I'll never forget my senior year. We we had a group, what we call teenagers, and, and uh, we really got a chance to know a small group, about 20, 25 of us, uh, and we got to know each other really well. We'd ask, you know, probing questions of each other and and just talk about life and what, what the expectation was moving forward. And so that was really formative as well for me. And I was thrilled to have that opportunity to have such a close cohort of friends that were pulled from all parts of the school, uh, but who came together. There was a movie around that time, I think soon thereafter, called The Breakfast Club. This was our little breakfast club. We really got to know each other on a, on a different level. And for a high school student that had that experience, was really special and just prepared me for, you know, what was to come. I want to talk about that, but you started with your basketball and being five seven, not big enough to play football. It must have been pretty discouraging when you kind of had that thought, I can't play the sport that I want to play. How did you bounce back and make the decision that you really wanted to focus on basketball and that you were just going to put your time and your energy into that? Yeah, you know, I just had the epiphany that, you know, one, I'm 5'7", I'm, I'm about probably 100 pounds at that. I wasn't that fast. And I just thought, you know, you got to pivot. And, you know, your future for that is probably highly unlikely. Now, some might say you, you weren't tough enough. <laughs> you should have just given it a shot. For me, it was just like, I just need to change direction. And I loved all sports, but football and basketball were kind of the two that I gravitated toward. And then for me, it just was a matter of just, you know, spending more time just working on my game, if you will, on the basketball front. And that paid off. And when you made the decision to pivot to basketball and you put all that time and energy in, as you said, you were a bit smaller, not as fast. How did you make it so that you could be a star athlete and play at Brown and be a co-captain on that, even on that team? Star athlete is probably a, was too strong a term, but at, at the same token, you know, you have to put in work. And then I think perseverance is something that we learned, uh, was instilled by my coaches, but also, you know, you have to have some internal fortitude to just keep going. And uh, there's obviously opportunities to fail, uh, but even if you do, you just got to keep pushing. And, and if you have a goal in mind, you set it and you go for it. And that's, that's kind of what I did was just put in a lot of hours just to hope that uh, someday I'll get more opportunities, whether it's to play from, you know, freshman to be on the varsity team or from varsity going to college. That was the work that I tried to put in and see where it would take me. There's no guarantees, but at the same token, if you don't put in the work, you'll never have a chance to, to reach those goals. And so that's, that was at least my mindset and, uh, uh, you know, something that was, re was reinstilled with, with my parents, with my coaches, and my friends wanting me to, to, to be the best I could be. So that, that was, you know, to have that support. I felt like I was in a great environment to continue to, to learn and grow. Were there any particular failures that helped you grow a lot? You know, I, let me even back up. I mean, I think it was probably, maybe it could have been freshman year of high school, but it was certainly probably my 
toward the end of middle school and it's around sport, but I remember it was a big deal when you made, you played your season, it was in football in particular, and then you would hopefully get selected for an all-star team. And I remember one year in football where I thought I was good enough and I should have been on this team, this all-star team. I didn't make it. I'll never forget, uh, now that you're pulling out these stories, I'll never forget my dad just sit me down right after, the day after, and just said, hey, you, you can't sulk. You, you gotta, if you think you belong, you got to go ahead and prove yourself, and you got to get better. And so, uh, you know, the next day I'm in my yard and trying to practice and run and, and jump and do all the things necessary to hopefully have that opportunity. And like I said, I pivoted, so it was fine. But I did learn uh, a lesson that, you know, you're going to experience disappointment. But what are you going to do uh, and how are you going to recover from that disappointment? you got to get ready the next day to go do your task at hand. And that still holds true in the day job. Uh, and obviously, I'm around sports, so there are some ups and downs. And then how are you going to recover? And for me, uh, they'll be able to snap into you can handle disappointment and then you got to pivot and get ready for the next thing, the next competition. I shouldn't say only competition, but whatever's next or what the never the next challenge is in front of you. Yeah. And you had your group of friends to help you kind of move to the next challenge and kind of make that step. How did you make that group of friends? Because you said they came from all around the school. Yeah, you know, that, that's, a, that's a great question. Uh, you know, I think sport helps to a degree because you're interacting with a group of people. Uh, so there's a cohort there that you're connected to. Being in classes, various classes with, with classmates and interacting with them on an academic and as well as a social level. Uh, and so I, I really had a collective group of friends that I could draw from that I considered friends being the six, five by my senior year, six, six, five drew attention a little bit, kind of unique classmate being that tall, but uh, it was a lot of fun and being able to, to, to go in various circles and interact with folks. And so that, that's kind of how I garnered my, my friend group. I'm waiting for my 16th growth spurt. I'm 5'7", right? Well, 5'8", but I'm waiting. Drink a lot of milk. (laughs) I recommend milk. (laughs) And any particular stories with those or moments with those groups of friends that really kind of remind you of why they were so important to you? I keep saying any particular moment just because if you kind of hone in on one spot, it just the story that comes from that one experience is... I think for me, and maybe it's outside of sport, but we, we had a tendency to always get together, sometimes in the evenings, and we just talk really about our dreams and our passions. And, and we could be up in the wee hours where we would have played our sport, maybe played pickup hoops or something. But in the end, we would just talk about what our thoughts were. And, and I'm sure, you know, young people today are doing the same thing. Like, what if, what's going to happen next? And so I found my time uh, with them a lot of laughter uh, as well, too. A lot of jokes, joking aside. But we'd always talk about what's next and what's around the corner. And for that, to be in an environment where we're trying to get the best out of each other was a lot of fun. And did you know what was next for you? Because you said yeah. after that Gators game, you kind of knew that you wanted to be in sport and play college yeah. sport. But did you know kind of the path that you were going to take? At least I was hopeful uh, the path I was going down. I knew to tell a, a quick story, but. So I'd say around 10th grade, I knew this is what I wanted to do, being college sport. And so when I got to, that was my focus. I could, in my senior year, 
one of our yearbooks and we're talking about what are you going to be doing next? Uh, and we're down the road. I was said I was going to be an athletic director. And I knew that in high school. So when I got to Brown, uh, my first days on campus, I sought out my athletic director and I said, hey, someday I want to be in your shoes. And he said, he was kind of taken back by that comment. And he said, boy, I've had seniors on the way out talk to me about a potential job in college sport, but I've never had a freshman. And I'll be at a cocky one, just saying, my goodness, you already know what you want to do. And, and so he became a mentor for me and, and my senior year of college. He left and became the AD at another school in Indianapolis called Butler University. And I happened to be in the same graduating class as his daughter. He came back and he said, what are you doing next? And I said, I don't know. Same, same uh, senior response. And he said, well, why don't you come out at Butler and do an internship? And that kind of launched my career. I happened to be at Butler when they co-hosted a, a Final Four, NCAA Final Four. I made great contacts with the NCAA. And a few stops later, I ended up working at the NCAA on the Final Four. But if it wasn't for my mentor in college, who was the AD at the time, I probably wouldn't set out on this track. So for me, that's the kind of the story, the epiphany uh, that I had that boy. If I, I didn't go into that AD's office uh, and talk to him about my, my passion, uh, I don't know where, what I'd be doing right now. Again, it's got to be hard for people or for you and for anyone who kind of knows that passion to take the next step and talk to the expert. What advice do you give to kind of anyone who has that passion but doesn't know how to take the next step? Yeah, I, I think if, if, you're, if you have an interest, a uh, particular interest and a passion about something, you got to go at it wholeheartedly. And, and you also have to learn, right? Be a sponge and, and grow. So you, you want to seek out the experts and engage with them and find out what did they do to get to that path? You know, they just didn't all of a sudden happen. And it took some time and effort. And so you've got to figure out what was their secret. And then you're going to create your own. If you really want something, you really have to go at it full bore, study, be a sponge, be a student of the craft and continue to learn. And so that's, that's really important. And for some, they might not know now in high school or they might not know in college, but you got to be kind of a lifelong learner. And uh, eventually when you find that passion, you, you just got to go persevere and, and go full bore. Any suggestions on how to find that passion, that thing that you're going to go full bore after? I think you're just taking so much in right now. If you don't have it, you know, for me, it was sparked by being around uh, the University of Florida and, and seeing what unfolded in, in sport. And then all the activity that was around, like it was going around and putting on contests, putting on events, that really intrigued me. But for others, you know, whether it's in medicine or law or business or what have you, education, they just have to take things in. That's what being in school, the, the beauty of being in school is that you can study a number of different things that hopefully something may pique your interest. Then you start seeking out the people who are experts in that particular area and kind of learn from them. Well, what, what are they doing a, a normal day? Then see, see where it goes from there. Did you have any other mentors than this uh, original AD kind of throughout your whole schooling experience? Yeah. Through my schooling experience, certainly, you know, there was, there was uh, uh, teachers who were terrific and, Certainly my coaches were influential. As I, you know, continued on my career path, I could almost say at every stop along the way, I developed a mentor that could help me with the next step. So that was pretty important. But I, I would say when I hear about mentors or I think about the people that really helped me along the way, I have to say in my professional career, especially, there were folks that were, were there that I could 
really just bounce ideas off of, listen to, because they had the expertise in the particular that I was interested in. They had done it. They were in the role that I aspired to be in. And, and so that was really critical. But if I'm dating back to high school, uh, certainly there's some, at least my coaches that come to mind and uh, a few a few teachers that would stand out and, and uh, would be a, a great influence as well, too. From all these different mentors that you had, what were the big things that really stuck out with you and helped you take that next step each time? One, I, I think their ability to communicate and communicate not only the good news, but even some of the bad, being even keeled as much as you possibly can, understanding, showing empathy with people, just understanding that, that there's, you know, there's good things that you're going to share in the joy and there's other things that are going to be difficult, uh, but, but being empathetic uh, was really important. And so having the opportunity to observe and listen was really powerful. And I think sometimes people don't, they take that for granted. And so I just think I, I learned so much by observing and that's something that, you know, I take with me. And then another thing I'd say is you got to be yourself, be authentic. And so I can't just copy and emulate what other people do. I got to create a style of my own that I'm comfortable with and that suits me. So that's just as important as well, too. Back to the college experience, as I mentioned, and as you mentioned, in 1986, you attended Brown University, and then you got a master's degree at Ohio University. Were there any stories that were particularly interesting or relevant to the person you are today from those years? I mean, I think, you know, the, the story about just going into having the, the gumption to go into my athletics director's office proved quite helpful in my career. I also say my junior year going in, I guess, going into my senior year, I did this similar thing in that. I wrote to a number of professional franchises and college programs and bowl uh, associations to get another internship in sport. And I ended up, because getting to Gainesville from Providence, Rhode Island, I would fly through Atlanta and go home. On one of my flights back to going home, I stopped in Atlanta and I stopped into the offices of the PR director at the time of the Atlanta Falcons. And I said, if you just give me a chance, I'll more than prove that I belong as an intern. And it was just a summer internship, but it was something that I had written to the person numerous times, two or three times. I said I would pay my way to get there just to be interviewed uh, and just give me a chance to, to get in. Now, truly long-term, as I said before, I had no desire to be in professional sport, but I did think it'd be great to get a taste of it just so I could put it on a resume as well as just having a good understanding of what, what life is like at that level. And uh, sure enough, the, the PR director said, boy, you, you're really getting after it in a polite way, in a nice way. And they gave me the opportunity to be a summer intern while I'm in college to work with the Falcons. It happened to be the, the year in which they drafted a gentleman, but you probably wouldn't remember this name, but Deion Sanders. Um, and so there was a lot of hype around him. Now, I didn't get to see him because I don't think he reported to camp late, if at all. But it was really the fun, the media fanfare around it was really fun to watch and uh, really a lot of excitement just being around an NFL franchise and seeing how that operates uh, and the inner workings of that. And so that, again, was another story that just kind of stands out like I persevered, well, I got told no by a number of different organizations, like I said before, but there was one that said yes, and that's all I needed. And so that was a, that's a reminder to me that, you know, 
and I say this to other people, young people, is like, you got to keep trying because there might be a yes out there and you got to go find it. I think that that story is a perfect kind of segue into what I call the coffee break. In any internship, if it's on TV or in a movie, you're doing a bunch of tedious tasks, getting a lot of coffee. This is kind of a opportunity for you to tell a story that's funny and something that's a break from kind of the seriousness and the values that you've learned along well, your life. Well, I think one of my most embarrassing moments happened in college. A lot of times when you're playing a sport, you don't get a chance to go home over break. And so I was with my basketball team. Uh, and we were having Thanksgiving at one of my teammates' house, who was uh, from Rhode Island area, uh, from Rhode Island. And so our team was over at the house, and we we had a lovely dinner. And at the end of the dinner, uh, we you know it's cold in Rhode Island, and so we're getting our jackets. And my teammate is handing out the jackets, and I'm kind of the last one, and I'm standing in front of his mom. And no sooner than then he's handing me my jacket. He notices, boy, your jacket is heavy. I'm like, I don't know why it's heavy because I, you know, just have my stuff. I don't have much in there. Probably a hat, gloves, maybe. And all of a sudden, he starts pulling out his mom's silverware, jewelry, and the whole team is is standing around me. And they're in on the joke, but I'm not, and neither is his mom. And so he made it look like I had stolen stuff from his mom and. If you knew my teammates, I'm the innocent one of the group, most innocent of the group. And so... Um, or so you say. Or so I say, exactly. This is from my lens. And his mom is looking at me like I, I truly have taken stuff. She's just incredulous. And finally, everyone starts breaking down laughing and they realize, and my teammate let his mom in on the joke. But I was sweating going, that is totally not me. I mean, he's pulling out all these old artifacts jewelry and so forth that are precious to his mom. And all of a sudden it was stuffed in my jacket. And so probably the most embarrassing moment when I'm around my teammates or we get on the phone, we've been on Zoom calls during the pandemic, that story always comes up because it brought so much laughter at my expense. Okay. The question I have is, did you get him back? You know what? I never did. I never had the opportunity. He was a senior. I was a sophomore. Uh, so I never did, but I, I did, my, my senior co-captain and I did the same, pulled off the same joke with one of our underclassmen. Uh, so I, I never got him back, but I got others. And, and I'm sure, and perhaps the tradition continues, but we did get a chuckle. That was a perfect story. <laughs> so we've gone over most of your kind of formal educational career, and now we can kind of move to your young actual career. and. As you said, you had a internship at um, well, Butler, I, and then you became the uh, assistant director of the NCAA men's basketball championship. Anything from that experience or kind of making that step to the formal kind of business world that really sticks out to you? I think, boy, what, what an education that was to all of a sudden, that's kind of the first, what I would call real job that I had. Uh, did a lot of internships prior to that point, but this is the first time. I'm getting a chance to really work. I remember you know, one of the things we had to do was in my role was I was kind of the note taker for meetings of our basketball staff, our group, and uh, the, my boss, who now is uh, the executive director of the college football playoff, was my immediate boss. And I remember writing my first set of minutes, notes, and it came back with so many red marks. I was like shocked. And I'm like, I'm a college graduate. 
I know, I think I know how to write, but it wasn't the right style from an NCA perspective. And it was a hard lesson to learn. And it, and it wasn't like only the first time it, it happened numerous times, especially my first couple of years being there. But actually I went along. That was just what we did. We critiqued each other's work, especially our writings. And it was a great lesson of you can be better and something that still sticks with me. And, and I still have a habit of just whatever I'm writing, I want to share with others just to say, does this make sense? And can I do it better? But it was a hard lesson to learn right off because I thought written papers left and right up until this point, gotten fairly decent grades for them. But now I'm, I'm getting critiqued about something as mundane as taking notes. But at the same token, we came better for it. Yeah. After that, I mean, it seems like all the mundane work really paid off because your next step, you joined the uh, staff at Notre Dame under uh, Kevin White. And then you were named uh, athletic director of Georgetown and then University of Delaware. From that next kind of those steps up in the world to kind of being one of the head athletic directors right now, what really sticks out to you? What hard skills did you have to kind of start to learn and what kind of messages Uh, really mattered? It's great. One thing I learned is just like you're working with always such a diverse group of people and diverse group of constituents, uh, especially in this sector, whether it be academics uh, on your campus, uh, faculty, administrators from the central campus, whether you're working with parents, whether you're working with your student athletes, coaches, uh, alumni, friends of the university. And so in all facets, there's just different interests, different things that resonate with people, different things that doesn't resonate or just will anger folks. And so you're constantly learning uh, how to, you know, navigate those waters and but yet still people are pretty passionate, especially about their athletic teams. And so understanding, trying to manage expectations of all those who are in play is really important. And so that was probably the biggest lesson is like, it's hard to please everyone, but at the same token, you're trying to stay to your core mission and your core purpose and know who you are and uh, and know what you're about. If you stick to that, I think you know, you can kind of move, continue to move along, and do well. But uh, I think it was a it's a great lesson to learn in, in how to interact and, and work with people. When you do work with people and you're trying to balance your own kind of managing the expectations of others, but also making sure that you follow your values, what steps are most important? Well, I think you've got to have the ability to listen first. You can't be the one that's talking all the time in the room. And, and so I think you got to be able to pause and really hear the conversation, hear what, what's driving people. And, you know, in my role, I have to listen to a number of different folks before going down a path and making decisions. Uh, but the, the one thing also I would say that I learned is, you know, anytime you make a decision, it could be a coaching hire, it could be a staff hire, it could be really anything. You decide to make a budget decision, invest in something or not invest in another that you know you're going to please someone or, or disappoint someone. And you have to be able to live with both. And so that's really critical that, uh, you know, as you go along, it's hard to please everyone, but you really have to go with a common goal and hopefully consistency in how you think and, and do the best you can. As um, Stanford's athletic director, your most recent position, well, I guess your current position, not most recent, what have been yeah. the big moments that have, helped you improve as you've kind of 
continue to become even more successful? What have been the big most to help me improve? I, you know, just being around a great group of people who have a vested interest in our programs. And that, that's with faculty, our administ- university administrators, certainly our alums and, and friends of the university who have expressed such an interest in our programs and are, are do well in their own uh, respects. And so I listen to those folks. I learn a lot from, from those people. And being around our own coaches and our own student athletes, uh, and can learn a lot from them as well too about how they approach their game, their their craft, and how they become a student of the game, if you will. There's so many lessons to be learned in a given day. It's really helpful, and if you can take it all in, and then, like I said, craft your own direction, that can be really powerful. Uh, but being around the people that I can point to, uh, I really feel fortunate to have such a group of people that I can draw from as I try to to navigate the position. Yeah, of course, that makes sense. Now we've done a kind of circle of your life. We started at the beginning. We're all the way to 360 here today. Let's just kind of zoom out a little bit and just talk big picture. Were there any failures in your whole life that you haven't discussed that you felt were really defining moments and really mattered to you today? Oh, failures. There's probably, there's been many. Uh, there's no question about that. There's been times where I've been disappointed in not getting the, you know, the job that I thought I, I deserved or what have you. But like I said, going back to the middle school kid who was playing uh, football and didn't make his all-star team, you learn from those lessons and, and you grow. And, and uh, that it's the same holds true as an adult. It takes time to shake things off. But you do, and, and then you keep going. And, and you know, I, I'll never forget, there was a coach who actually coached at Stanford uh, many years ago, football, Tyrone Willingham, uh, and I happened to work with him in Notre Dame. And I remember we were dealing with something really difficult. He said, boy, there's no, no such thing as a down day, but there's days in which uh, you can lead. And so I think about that quote often, that uh, there are no real significant down days. You know, there are setbacks. But in those setbacks, in those moments, there's opportunities to lead. And so I uh, try to do that. Yeah. Another kind of big topic other than failure would be self-confidence. A lot of people, especially in high school, kind of can have a hard time with self-confidence. How has it played a role in your life and how have you been able to kind of cultivate it? Yeah, I always felt like uh, maybe it was because my guidance counselor in high school had written this on a recommendation that I saw. I think it could have been a recommendation to college, but he said, Bernard exudes a quiet confidence. And so I always thought like deep down, I might not show it, express it, but I, I do think things are going to work out. I'm going to figure out a way for things to work out. And I told you the story of the internship, getting that at the Atlanta Falcons. That to me is the quiet confidence that you need to just say, you just got to keep going. And there's going to be a lot of people that, uh, that could knock you down or say something negative about you. But you hope that you have that quiet fortitude to just keep going, keep pushing. And maybe I developed that through sport. Maybe I developed that through my parents. Uh, Maybe it's a combination, probably a combination of all those things in the classroom. But this confidence to to keep going and keep keep being strong. And, and, you know, I think about setbacks and being in the classroom where there's been times, uh, not so much in high school, but maybe in the college where, you know, you get back that grade. It's not what you expected, but you got to keep going. And so I'll never forget my freshman year in, in college. 
and I remember having a, a few people just saying, you're, you're not going to make it at Brown. It's Ivy and it's hard. And I don't know if you have the background or the fortitude to do it. And I remember the freshman year, I don't remember it was first semester or second semester, but there was a grade that I got back and it, it was not good. But I remember thinking, you know what, you got to keep going. And my mom would always just say, you know, there's a song with her Jamaican background. It's uh, Don't Worry About a Thing by Bob Marley. And, uh, Three Little Birds, it's called. And I'll never forget, I, I had come back from a test. It was not not my best effort. And somebody had that plane in the hallway, and I was like, that's a sign. And, and from there, you know, I ended up doing fine in the class uh, and uh, got my degree and we're staying the course. So go from there. That was a, exactly what I was looking for in that. Okay. So I know that you have to go soon, and so I want to just get to the end quickly. Nowadays, just how do you keep your mind sharp? Yeah, how to keep my mind Yeah, So it's funny. Uh, I've been practicing this uh, each and every morning. You know, I pull up my Stanford Outlook and look at all my emails. I also have on my the top of my screen here my calendar so I know what, what's coming, what's next. And then I've got Wall Street Journal, New York Times, ESPN, Washington Post, I'm probably, if you have any suggestions, I could put up others. And I just kind of throughout the day when I have a break, I can kind of click on and see what's going on in the world. And then I can click on an article and read a little bit. That's really been helpful to me just to kind of pull it all together. So like what's going on in the day. And uh, although maybe I haven't put, picked up my book in a while, at least I kind of feel like I'm in touch with what's going on in the world. And so it, it's been really helpful. So that's kind of how I keep sharpening, like I said. I get a chance to take a break and I'm hoping to do that this afternoon to get out and walk. I'll click on a podcast of some sort and just kind of listen as I go along. Yeah. So now back to that big picture question that kind of this, your whole story kind of comes to what is success to you? What really is it? Ooh, that's a, that's a good question. Everyone has to define that for themselves. For me, gosh, it's just being able to success for me, I guess, is being able to, provide for the family and, and have them enjoy life and, and, and take advantage of opportunities. If you're in a position where you could do that, you can break bread each night together. And I know it's hard for some, but to have that opportunity to just be around family and friends, that to me is a successful life. And you can have meaningful relationships. I think I'll start there. I probably should start there. It's really success is just having meaningful relationships that really last and really at your core. And if, if you recall what I talked earlier, I said, my mom used to say, show me your friends and tell, I'll tell you who you are. That's a big part of success for me is, is being able to say, these are the meaningful relationships I've had in my life. What's next then? What's your next step in life? What's my next step is just keep doing what I'm doing and I'm enjoying the heck out of it. You know, you, we talked about being passionate about whatever you do. Well, I, I'm passionate about this. And so I'm not sure what's next, uh, but at the same token, I've got people looking out for me, and I believe that uh, you know hopefully good things are in store, and and uh, we'll keep going. So, last thing for you to say, I want to say thank you for making it today and giving me the time. I know you got to get out on your walk and listen to your podcast. Some point here. <laughs> so, before we close, I want to ask you what three PowerPoints from this conversation would be. Kind of imagine a 
presentation and you get to say three things to the audience, what are the three takeaways that we should have from our conversation? One, I'd say be passionate. Two, don't let anybody tell you you can't do something. And three, persevere and never give up. Those are probably the three things that come to mind right off the bat. I wish everyone great success. You've got a great career ahead of you, uh, especially if you want to get into media. Uh, Whatever you want to do, I'm sure you'll do it well. Thank you. Awesome. On the next episode of One Hour Intern, I learned from co-founder and editor-in-chief of Pop Sugar, Lisa Sugar. And I think being the advisor, being somebody that people could come to to talk to for problems, that gave me comfort. So I felt like I was good in other ways. And as far as school being a struggle, I still figured out ways the same way I do now of how do I organize my life and organize at the time it was school. So like color coding things. And it might take me a little longer to do it, but I'll still be able to do it. Thank you for listening to the One Hour Intern. I hope that you explore more of our episodes. Follow us at One Hour Intern. The one is spelled using the number one. And if you enjoyed, please rate, follow, and subscribe. The One Hour Intern is produced, hosted, and written by me, Will Brigger. My co-producers are The Blue and Studio Pod. Till next time, thanks. Thanks.